Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is Nancy Zinsmaster, and I'm here with Carolyn Resnick. Hi, Carolyn. How are you doing today? Good. How are you, Nancy? Doing wonderful. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you today because today we're going to be talking about companion walking. Yes. And what an amazing uh, subject for us to be discussing with our students today. Um, you know, companion. I, I, I think about companion walking, and back when um, I first found out about your method, and I actually, um, I, I don't think I ever knew what connection really was until I began doing the waterhole rituals and um, the magnetic connection that comes with companion walking is something that is so rich and such a huge topic. So I, I want to talk to you about it today so that we can share with the students um, what that what that really is all about. Yeah, so that they can understand a little more what it is that they're looking for. I think to, to, to open the door on talking about companion walking, I'd like to look back a little bit at my history on um, in what I naturally had with horses. Um, that even before the waterhole rituals were uh, were available to uh, to my students, um, like many uh, horse communicators and trainers, um, we're able to maybe do things with horses that can't be replicated. Mm-hmm. That they just have, you know, you, you, when somebody says, "Well, how do you do that?" I say, "Don't." really know it comes it happens right yes and that was the way it was with me with companion walking is I knew that when I was with a horse that let's say I never saw before that I knew what was going on in his mind and what he was looking for and what he was looking for was a place to connect and a place to be and because of the the years that I had interacted with horses um, starting at the at the observation level and waiting for them to make a connection with me um, I found out how to interact with that horse to have the companion walking pretty instant mm-hmm. but that's not something one can share with the world because it's one of those things that is sort of a gift that you get from living with horses, from from wanting to be in their culture rather than them being in your culture. Yes. And having to be guided by the horses and everything. You learn your position of where you where you need to be so that you would bring out a horse's desire to say, I will go where you go, I want to be where you be, I want to match your movement. I want to feel that safety that I that I have when I am with a with when when I'm with my mother when I was uh, a young foal. I want that feeling because there's nothing there's nothing for me to connect with right now that is clear to me. But because of my my intention, the horses could read my intention. Well, how do you how do you train intention? Right. I mean. Yes, and it's because, a feel, you yes, know, so. Yes, because the thing is, is how can anybody feel an intention 
unless they've walked the long journey that I've walked. Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, in the, in the beginning of my, my uh, business in Sonoma, Dances with Horses, Stonehenge Arabians, I was training horses for all kinds of competition, but I didn't use the system that other people used, and it started becoming more apparent. People was watching, what is this about? Because my horses were behaving a lot different, and they were behaving differently, like they were behaving more like dogs than horses. Right, yes. Um, if I was at a show, I could be at a show and and maybe we had been at the show only a couple of days in in uh, years past. Shows were long. They would go as long as 10 days. And in, in one or two days, I had a horse that would follow me around like your pet dog. Of course, that brought some attention to of me. Of course. And, and so they started realizing that when they came to watch their horses be trained, that they were watching me really focused on this thing about making a connection, finding that magnetic connection, finding that that bonded place where the horse seems to be reading my mind and I'm reading the horse's mind. Um, and looking and looking for that for that yes in that horse. And uh, rather than saying that he needs to learn anything, he didn't really need to learn anything, but I did need to find that that relationship that we have with, you know, that we have with our cats and we have with our dogs that we're living in a household. If if our horses were living with us in the house, it would be yes, quite simple. Absolutely. But we think it's that we think it's a big deal because the horse is so big. Um, it's not the same thing. It doesn't make any difference. Like let's say your horse is in the kitchen. And you're frying some of something up in a with a pan, right? Well, guess what? You don't want him to get burned. He learns how to get out of the kitchen. Yep. And you learn how to tell him. Yes. Right? Exactly. And one of the way, ways he he learns about how to stay out of the kitchen is well, you don't want to hurt him, get him into uh, a hot uh, burner or anything. You just say throw a carrot in the other room. And what does he do? <laughs> he moves away. Yeah. So we become, we become uh, an understander in how to interact with a horse. So, but what I had observed um, about uh, the magnetic connection and companion walking, that to make that connection, there were some things I was doing that created the waterhole rituals as you're experiencing them today. Mm -hmm. And that is, I wasn't looking for the magnetic connection, though I could bring it out on the horse. What I was looking for the horse was first, do you want to be with me? And that nothing had to happen out of that. Maybe it like, I just want to be with you. And when that, that instant happened, I could then say, good, you've joined me, I'll let me take you back to your community and your family. So he realized that I was, I would only take him to places that he wanted to be or go. So all of that 
was translating and how I could figure out a system that I could follow that a person would be able to to take a method and discover the thing that is natural to me into finding what's natural in them, yes. like they do in their own home with with their own dog and cat and whatever. Uh, so the first the first thing that came up was a clinic that I did in the late seventies in Palm Springs, uh, where I need to really explain to the public what I was doing, because at that time it was all. It appeared to people that for a horse to connect with you, like the boy in the black stallion, was like some kind of magical miracle. Well, and also, not to interrupt you, but liberty uh, training at that time, there was no such thing. Am there I right? No. You you coined that term, liberty yes, I, training. Yes. So to just to explain what that is yes. alone, you know, I think with the liberty training, deal. people think that the horse is being trained, and in reality, right. the person is being trained. Yes, exactly. And I think you've done such an amazing job of, and I want to continue to hear your story about that, but I just want to say that I think you've done such an amazing job of explaining magnetic connection in your program because. You know, it's a feel, and I find as an instructor, it's kind of hard to explain feel. And, of course, everybody wants to have that magnetic connection because it's like the report card, right? They're all dying for that. But the truth is that it is um, a natural um, part of what happens once you build that relationship through your method. I think that one of my favorite stories... And I love to tell stories, as you know. And I love your stories. <laughs> I, I, I met this person that had quite a few horses and competed in, um, in dressage and driving classes and was very, very talented, won many champion, world champions uh, with her horses. Um, uh, miniature horses and and warm bloods, and the thing that I would point out to her is I said, "You don't really look your horse in the eye." And she says, "I beg to differ with you. I have a really good connection with my horses, and my horses and I look each other in the eye. And of course, you know how I am." yeah I do we sort of have a back and forth fun go around and you know I'd say no you don't yes I do well after a couple of months I got a phone call from her and she said my horse looked at me and I collapsed I lost all feelings in my legs and I collapsed she says, now I know what you're talking about. And that's what we have to step over. We have to step over that, that barrier of a handbook that tells mm-hmm. us this is how we want to handle a horse and this is how we want to handle all horses. It's got to come to where it's more personal than that. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think that that's what the beauty of the rituals is that it allows anybody to be able to kind of, 
you know, go through this, even though it is all individual, as I have learned, but it allows them to be able to go through these rituals and be able to communicate with the horse in a way that you have spent 40 years trying to figure out how to get somebody else to be able to do what you do, you know? So how I figured out my waterhole rituals was going back to that first experience I had as a child at 10, 11, and 12, and that's what I wrote my book, is to, is to really see what, I, what the horses shared with me, mm-hmm. what the horses ca- taught me, how they brought me into their culture, and, and how I waited to be invited. And in the beginning, I didn't know to wait, but um, from having the horses that I was studying um, in Garner Valley, they were horses that were used for for movie movies, and they had been chased and and um, um, for films and tripped and oh. and just so abused for the filming of westerns that they weren't like typical uh, wild horses. They had an extreme desire to stay hidden and away from human beings because it was always tragic and it was always dramatic. So, but I didn't know anything about wild horses at that time. I just knew that I loved them. And you were, excuse me, because I just want for for our listeners mm -hmm. to understand in case they haven't read your book, Naked Liberty. Sure. Um, So those horses, when... The movies, the movie company finished with them. They just let them loose in an well, area, correct, where you... Well, what happened was they didn't want that. They wanted those horses off the land, so they got most of them off the land. But the ones that were left behind were the ones that they couldn't. They became too wise. Mm-hmm. They became impossible. They couldn't catch them. <laughs> they, they became yeah. impossible to capture. Yeah. And um, uh, so they... And we know, if we're horsemen at all, we know that when a horse learns how to say no... He's the master of no. (laughs) (laughs) They are the master of no. So, so, you know, my first summer was really, you know, following after, wanting to just be able to see wild horses. Oh, yeah. And so I was out uh, trying to, to... to run across them, and of course, when I ran across them, they um, they ran away. And I don't know what I was thinking. I don't think I was thinking about much. I just knew that I wanted to be accepted into their culture, and it wasn't working out. And I remember a particular time that was, let's say mind-altering for me is that one day we were on a like a road it was like a fire road and they were running up the hill and I was going after him and up to that point I didn't really I I wasn't feeling unhappy that that they were leaving me out of their life because I was loving nature was loving being with the wild horses I was feeling very special because I was going to learn about the culture of wild horses. But on that particular day, I felt really bad. I felt that 
they were deserting me. And that feeling that I had stopped those horses from running. And they turned around and looked at me. And I remember that I got a message that said to me, my intention and my feeling, they read. Mm-hmm. They didn't see me as a predator anymore. And I didn't think that they were going to let me walk up to them. But I, that was a deep message to me. And that day I left, turned around, and I left, which is really good, because if I stopped running, yes. I didn't know it at the time, right. how powerful that was, that me, I turned around and left them. But I turned around and left them because I needed some time to really process what had taken place, that that, that, that feeling of loss um, had really affected those horses so sincerely. How wise you were as a young child to be even able to wise. understand that, though. No, it wasn't wise. It was, it was more like it couldn't be anything different. Mm. It was that. It was simply that, and I, it was like it I had was stepped into mm-hmm. another world. So I went to, uh, went into. Um, it was very hot that day, and I went into the pinion pines that was um, sort of out of the way of where I generally wa- was to just cool off and to really consider what was happening, and um, and in that process of of feeling what had taken place with the herd, um, I um, realized that I can't go following after these horses because it's never going to get me into their culture. That's just not going to happen. And an extraordinary thing happened that day, and uh, it's in my book. Um, and the pinion pines, because of the heat that day, and because of phenomena that happens once in, who knows, um, I guess people who know more about pinion pines would be able to tell you more, more story about it. But these pine cones, which I couldn't see, were exploding around me, throwing pinions uh, into the air, they come into these little packages that cause them to be able to spin around and fly about. And they were falling all around me. And I'd try to grab them out of the air, and they would spin away from my hand, just like the wild horses had. And then I just stopped trying to reach for them. And these pinions then landed on my body, on my hand, and everything. And I got that direct message that what I needed to do was find a place where the horses might come, the places where they go in to drink, and just wait there for them to come in. And so that's what I did, and that's where I discovered the first waterhole ritual, and that's when all of the waterhole rituals became available to me. But at that time, I didn't see that they had walked me through these various steps of developing a, 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 what do you say, developing an ability 
to be accepted into the herd as mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Like when we're with horses, what we do is we, we, we are so driven as leaders that the horse becomes part of our family. And that's not what the horse wants. What the horse wants is that you become part of his family because in that way everything makes more sense to him. Um, and so at that time I didn't know what I was doing but I knew that I needed to stop chasing them. And I picked a place because I'd been out there for several months. Uh, I picked a place where I, they went often and just sat and watched them come in and, and just uh, watched their behavior with each other with no intention to do anything. And that's when they started, uh, that's what opened the door to where they started accepting me um, uh, and not running away. Uh, If I tried to follow them, they always ran away. But if I stayed put, they would accept me. And, you know, in the book, there's a story about Sagebrush. Mm -hmm. And Sagebrush was was a major player in how I was able to get accepted into that particular herd. And at that year, when I, um, that summer, when I came home, I remember thinking, what have I really learned? And if you ask me then, at 10, what I learned, I would say that I had learned really nothing. I'd been there, there was acceptance, there was things, but could I tell you anything about wild horses? I would have said not, no. Um, and, but what I did notice is when I got back to my own horses at the ranch, I watched myself communicate with them differently. Mm. I watched the horses like trying to guide me in how to be around them. I watched them accepting me as part of their family, like the wild horses did in Pinion, Pin, Pinion Flats. So there, there, there was that thing, I said, well, I don't know what I've learned, but I've definitely broken into some kind of connection with horses naturally. And I'd always felt that connection from the time I was three years old, but not to that, not until I'd actually been with the wild horses. Right. Is that possible? And so that was uh, just being with them. Companion walking became sort of like normal. Right. <laughs> um, and yes, I'd gone through those rituals with them, but I didn't see them at that age that way. Right. But as I kept replaying my, my, uh, my relationships with horses from the time I saw my first horse till... Um, till that time that they asked me to do that clinic in, in Palm Springs, did I figure out how I could actually have someone find out how to let a horse teach them how to be at liberty and to have a, a, uh, a connection that the horse saw as true. Right. That, like when we think about, we think about, you know, natural horsemanship um, natural horsemanship it's it's natural to humans what takes place but it's not natural to horses right so um, what the water ritual is it does is liberty training is that the horse 
trains the human how to be accepted into the culture of horses. Right, and, and that's key to this method, for sure. Yes. So, um, uh, so one of the tickets to know uh, as you're learning the water hole rituals uh, how to be like once the you know once the bond grows, you know once the trust grows, once the respect grows, once the focus grows, once the willingness grows. How do you, how do you keep that magic truly alive? And that comes from really paying attention to understanding how to keep that magnetic connection um, as a way to keep you and your horse in in community. Yes, yes, Does that make sense? it makes perfect sense. And you know, I was thinking how. Um, magnetic connection really lets you know what's going on with your horse. So, you know, that's a really good test for people when they're working with the waterhole rituals to be able to see if they have those five heartfelt strings of connection on their horse. To see how much they've been accepted in yes. the moment with the horse. You know, or have they been, you know, how much is the horse considering you into their their day? Yes into their activity right now. Yes. You know, and and how and the waterhole rituals from the practice of the waterhole rituals, you discover how to become more um, known to your horse. You know, just yes. like your dog, like maybe your dog um, wants to go outside and play, right? Mm-hmm. Um or maybe he doesn't want to go outside, but do you know how to activate his interest? Yes. And so the water rituals helps you to know how to activate that interest of that horse in wanting to to be a part of you as your dog would be if you took him on a walk on the beach. Yes, and what I really like is that, you know, if you don't have a program like this to follow, to get you to know, like the companion walking allows you to be able to analyze what's going on, as we said, right? But then you can figure out you know, what it is that you need to do to get the horse to align to you. So it gives you a little bit of a map to be able to think like a horse and to be able to go, oh, you know, okay, these previous rituals, which all of these students that we're talking to today have already experienced if they're this far along in the program, they can check in, you know, check, okay, do I have the bond today? Do I have the trust? Do I have the respect? Do I have the willingness? Do I have the focus? And each one of those, each one of those strings of connection, which I call the heartfelt strings of connection, the reason they're called heartfelt is because the feelings shared between you and the horse, you can feel a bond, but does your horse enjoy the bond yes. that you feel in the moment? Maybe not, right? Yep. Maybe he trusts you, but when he sees you walk out with something he's never seen before, and it's in your hand, and you're bringing it to him, if your relationship hasn't built on that you would never do anything that would be, uh, that would be fearful to him, mm-hmm. um, uh, that there could be some reason that your trust isn't as big as it was yeah. before you had that thing in your hand. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And it's not because we have a treat in our pocket, you know, because we don't carry treats with us while Mm -hmm. we're working with our horses. And so we know that when we are 
in magnetic connection and companion walking with our horse, that it's because the horse is connected to us and wants to be with us. And that's something that I really love because it's something that I think um, that sometimes people do try to train into a horse. And that's really important that students know that we're not training a horse to companion walk. It's no, a gift, it's, you know? Yeah, it, yeah, it's a gift, but it's a feeling just like when your dog wants to go with you in the car, your dog wants to go with you on the beach, or the dog wants to be at your side. It's it's something that is, you want him to be there, and he wants to be there. Yes. It's got to be a shared agreement that that's true. And so I also needed to uh, see what the difference between uh, a bond and a trust, what the di- what's the difference between a bond and a trust, or what's be- the difference between a bond and a trust and respect. I mean, what? so if you look at them, they all singularly don't have that other quality in them necessarily. Like if you have a bond with yours, does it necessarily mean that he trusts you? In the right. Moment? Right? Right. Okay. So if you have a trust with the horse, does it mean that the bond is there? He trusts a certain behavior out of you and so forth, but does he feel that attachment that he does to another horse? Yes. You know, say, well, no. Well, the water hobby tools is reaching out to have the horse feel that he has as deep a bond with you as he has with any horse in his life. Yes. That's what... That was the ultimate goal of the water hobo tools is, is about, is that you can share that connection so that that connection with you that you have with that horse is stronger than any connection that he has with any other horse. Yeah. And it can't happen until the horse is understanding that you are his student. And once you have that connection with your horse, don't you think it's like the, there's nothing that that horse won't do for you? I mean, when you are magnetically connected like that, it just feels, you always say, I love when you say, once the horse knows the water hole rituals, he begins to speak English. And I think it's so true, you know, everything just becomes um, simplified in communication. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had a thought about something that my had dad had shared with me in relationship with horses. But before I go tell that story, what I want to do is go back to this list thing about the difference between the rituals that that are involved in the program, which is the bond, the trust, the respect. Okay, so let's go back to that. So here, what is really important is that with a bond does not mean that you have trust. Mm-hmm. With trust doesn't mean you have a bond. You can a horse can respect you, but that doesn't mean yes, he trusts you, nor does he have a bond. Right. He respects you, right? Okay. And then, uh, does he have does he have willingness? If you have bond, doesn't mean you have willingness. Mm-hmm. Trust, you don't have willingness. Respect, willingness is a separate, separate feeling of connection that you share with him mm-hmm. in the moment, and that fluctuates. Yeah. And, of course, you would never ask yours to do anything that he's not willing to do, right? right. Okay, but let's say if you had bond, trust, respect, and willingness, um, you'd think, well, if I had all of that, that horse would follow what I, I would ask him to do, 
And you say, well, he isn't if you don't have his focus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yes. So, so that's, you know, that's a, that's a real important um, uh, thing to, to look at. So when you, what my dad told me was that no animal on this earth, on this earth has more willingness to follow your lead than a horse. And if he doesn't, it's that the subject that you chose is causing the problem, or what you're asking isn't making sense to him. Mm-hmm. And just those two things. Yeah. He says it's just those two things. And so therefore, understanding that when you're talking to your horse, or when you're communicating, or when he's wanting to, you to lead him, that you're saying... If I ask him, would he? Right. And if you've learned the waterhole rituals right, you will be able to answer that question mm-hmm. and not ask him to do something that he doesn't want to do. With my horses, uh, a new horse, uh, let's say I want to take him down to the uh, large arena so we can have plenty of room to, to, um, to dance together. And he looks into that arena and he says, I don't want to go down there. I'm not going to be the one that takes him. Mm-mm. I will never put that horse into a situation that I don't have a yes on the horse. And that becomes, um, what is the word? It becomes what he knows that he can depend on for yes. me. Yes. You know, it's, it's established. Yes. It's established. I'm not going to put eye ointment in my horse if my horse doesn't say, please put that eye ointment. <laughs> or anything that I do at all, if, if I go to groom him, I do anything... I, he knows that I'm not going to do something that he can't at the moment take. Now, a dog, a cat, a human, whatever, you follow those rules with them and you'll get yourself in trouble. Exactly. Horse won't. It builds more security that he can share with you. Mm Mm-hmm. And so if, you're, if your horse is afraid of a blanket and you're wanting to put a blanket on his back, the horseman usually says, oh, he's afraid of the blanket. No, he's afraid of the blanket with you, with that blanket in your hands. <laughs> exactly. It's your attached to the blanket. That's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> so if you never break that code of, I'm not going to do something that you don't want me to do, uh, he then becomes more willing to feel those connections of the five heartfelt strings of connection. Yes. So once, once the, you've learned how to get invited into the culture of horses and you go out to see your horse every day, uh, the bump in the road for people who are learning the Waterhole rituals is that he companion walked yesterday, so you expect it today. Exactly. And just because the horse is companion walking with you doesn't always mean that there's that connection on that vibrational level at that moment. And sometimes I think that people do tend to think like we say about one pile of hay. You know what I mean? There's a difference between taking your horse here and then actually being connected to your horse when there is food involved, you know? Yes. And again, that has to do with, with feel. Exactly. 
Well, I want to get back a little bit for students to just, it, it, you had said that, you know, you at the beginning of time when you first started developing the method, that you had to figure out a way to explain what is the magnetic connection. I think you've done a beautiful job of sharing just now the rituals and the five heartfelt strings of connection and how it develops into this magnetic connection, which comes about when we can companion walk with our horse. But to explain it clearly, like to the students, I like how you were talking, um, we were discussing earlier when writing some other stuff, that um, in each one of the rituals, the other ritual exists, you know, and how that builds up to be able to be something that um, you're not training in the horses, they're all just there. And when they're all there, how that connection develops into that companion walking. It's, it's so important that it's relationship, relationship. And so when you're working with your horse, maybe the subject is eye contact, let's say. But you, the leader of your horse, from your horse guiding you to be a leader and to understand how to, to fit in his community and follow his leadership as well, that, that, that you can see or you can feel when you maybe need to get away from eye contact and get back to the bond because maybe the bond doesn't feel completely clean to you. Yes. And so you then would drop off the subject of that ritual eye contact and go back to, to deepening the bond. Um, maybe one of the things that I've noticed in the training of horses over the years is that you don't really know how your, your session, your learning session went with your horse until you see how they perform the next day. Like I remember yes. you and I talking about your herd, and you say it's so strange when I haven't worked my my horses uh, in in uh, liberty training, and I've been away from them for a while, and I come back, they're all like uh, miracles. <laughs> yes, they're, they're magic. It's yeah, like they're they're rock magic. Stars. Well, there was no practice there. It was something that that when when they see you, they see you with these open eyes. Mm-hmm. So it opens the door of that bond. Well, when you go out there, you can't decide you're going to do this or that. You go out there, and the horses guide you in the dance that you need to bring to them to take that magic that they brought to you and to be able to build upon it, not from how you want to build upon it, but by what what that entry point of connection that horse is asking. Yes, so true. So true. You know, there's, um, I think we've covered a lot of this, but there's one thing that you said to me and along the way, and you were talking about the magnetic connection, and you were saying, you know, it's, the, it's, it's a feel that feels like a push and a draw that's going on at the same time. And I really love that because I think that because it's a feel, it's always been difficult for me to really explain it, although by the time people get those five heartfelt strings of connection, usually they understand. Mm-hmm. But 
that push and that draw, I think that's so great because it is that. It's that energetic, that vibrational feeling of the push and the draw going on at the same time yeah. that connects us like I that. I really think that when we think of the push and the draw, that the first word that we've got to really think of is, is resonance. Mm-hmm. The word is resonance. Yes. It's like a piano. Like you can hit, like let's say the, the horse speaks to you in a tone, right? Mm-hmm. Might be a key on the piano. And ah, uh, right. Yep. Are you gonna go? Ee. <laughs> that's, that's a really good way to explain that's that. Not, that's not the answer to his all. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. So when he gives you that resonance, that opens the door in how to to find that harmonious movement toward what it is that you are going to be working with that horse uh, on on liberty dancing or what it is that you're wanting to bring out in him. Absolutely. What he's going to, what he's going to learn from you. And he wants to learn from you. He's like a dog. Dog wants to, to you know, like bring in the sheep. Yes. The dog wants to go get the stick that you throw. Yes. And... And so you take all of those elements together and you learn that you can train a horse through resonance. Yes. And that's what the horse teaches you, is how to speak to that horse in resonance so that he can then turn around and say, I think I know what you want. Is this what you want? Yes. And you would say, yes, that is. Yes. And then I can answer back to that horse, did you like doing that? And anybody that is feeling compassion for animals doesn't need a a method to answer that for you. Yeah. You know it from your your own feel because you've done nothing but turn yourself over to your horse when you started with the Carolyn Resting Method. Yeah. You had to turn your horse self self over to him, which causes you to start developing a side of yourself that maybe you didn't get get a chance to develop because you didn't have the experience that I had having horses from the time I was able to sit. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And, you know, it's interesting how we, sit, we talk about training horses in, the, in this method because it's a word that we use because to the public, that's what people are trying to do. They're trying to train their horses. But the truth is you're so right that they are totally training us and and it is a method of relationship. So the building of the relationship, the horse learns just like you're in school when you're learning as a child, you know? It's, it's really important when you're working your horse that a couple things happens. One of them is, is you get rid of your arrogance. Yeah. And you stay out of trainer's mind. <laughs> and you stay out of trainer's yes. mind. And there's no fault insurance yes. for both you and your horse. Yep. That if you have those things and that you don't have a deadline, yep. that there is no deadline and there is no goal. The goal will surface just like seeds in a garden. Yes. It's so true. It's so true. And the power of that pause, like you just said, you know, yeah. Well... Great talking to you today, Carolyn. I think that we've gone over everything we need to. I think that this is such a deep subject that we'll probably be back and talking to our students a little bit more about it. But for today, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Nan. All right. And say enjoy talking on the subject of companion Companion walking walking. and the magnetic (laughs) connection. Yes. Thanks, Carolyn.